The best in the West in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities. We support you. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of this Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On today's podcast we're previewing the best in the West semi-finals as our search for West Cork's greatest ever sports person reaches the business end. The best in the West is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. In the first semi-final, which gets underway on Saturday morning at 10am on Kieran's Twitter page, it will be road bowling legend Bill Daly up against Keith Cronin, one of Ireland's greatest ever rally drivers. And on Sunday, Olympic silver medalist Paul O'Donovan goes head-to-head with Ireland's fastest woman, Phil Healy, in semi-final number two. Author and journalist Dennis Hurley will be on in part two to preview Paul versus Phil. And in a few minutes, Bowl Cumming PRO Pat McCarthy will join us to make the case for Bill to win. But first, the Southern Stars motorsport correspondent Martin Walsh is standing by to canvas for Keith Cronin to be named Best in the West. Over the last couple of weeks, Martin, we've seen seen Keith Cronin first take out an international soccer player in Conor and didn't get the better of West Cork's greatest ever Camogie player Jennifer O'Leary in the quarterfinals and all the time Keith Cronin is building momentum through best in the West why do you think people are giving Keith their vote? Well I suppose it's it's uh, first of all for his talent but um, I think you know Every one of the, the 16 people that started out on this journey for the best in the West deserved to be the best in the West. And it shows, you know, how great the area is with talented people. But um, rallying, I suppose, you know, in, in GA, you have the club sector, whereas rallying, I think it's, you know, it's all over the country. And Keith pulls his uh, votes, I suppose, from, from everywhere and indeed outside the country as well. And the fact that he's won the British Rally Championship several times you know he's you know he's very well known in England and indeed wider afield. You know, so I think that's probably one of the reasons for it. Whereas, you know, some of the other stars might just be very local but have a huge, huge following. Then I mentioned there about Keith's votes in the last couple of rounds and the two polls he's been involved in have accumulated the most votes. And you mentioned the word there as well, Martin, the word talent. Um, when we when people talk about Keith Cronin, like the word talent, it always pops up in the conversation because he's an incredibly talented driver. Can you talk us through, I suppose, his, his achievements over the years? Because his role of honour is, is second to none. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, he's come, or he's in a sport that uh, nowadays talent isn't the uppermost important thing, which is sad, you know, in a way, because if a guy is gifted at football, a particular soccer, like Conor Harm, he goes 
you know, along to a, a British club and gets to play in the Premiership, whereas, you know, the likes of Keith Cronin can't go to the very top in his sport without a huge amount of money. And the money we're talking about here is millions, you know, and that's the sad thing about it, that talent isn't of the primary uh, importance here. It's... Um, Money, money guides really. I think what goes into motorsport, but uh, all the other people, it's talent. If you're a good golfer, you get to the top relatively easy. No, I don't mean easy in that sense, but compared to what is required to make it to the world level in rally, and you know, we just started way, way back uh, in 2000 and oh, what 2004 in the Peugeot 106, and. He started and that type of car where, you know, a one make series whereby very little done to the car and talent is to the fore. And I think it's the one thing that's probably lacking in rallying nowadays is, is a one make series whereby you can judge the drivers rather than judge the cars. But uh, Keith made a great progression and, you know, in what, five or six years, he was he was right up there and he was on a Pirelli Star Driver competition in 2008 and uh, in 2009, he went on to win British Rally Championship. Like within five years of starting out at the very basic rally, he became a British Rally Champion, and he was the first uh, driver to do that since 1974 when the great Billy Coleman won it. So you can see, I suppose, you know, for 30 odd years there was a dearth of talent, of Irish talent going across to Britain, and Keith goes along and he he actually wins his first time out in his real attempt, which. You know, he only went there in that season to get practice for a tilt at the title in 2010. I think what's remarkable too, Mark, and then you've covered it well in the Southern Star over the years, that Keith has won the British Rally Championship on four different occasions, um, 2009, like you mentioned, and also 2010, 2012 and 2017. And remarkably, he's won it in four different cars. Kind of, How does that kind of stand as a feat to win four British Rally Championships but in four different cars? Well, I, I think that shows, the, you know, the extent of his talent. And he's also done it with four different co-drivers. In the first year, he did it with Greg Shinners, then Barry McNulty, then Marshall Clark, and then in 2017 with uh, Killarney's Mikey Galvin. And that shows as well, you know, that you know he gets supreme confidence from his co-drivers. But it, I think the co-drivers know as well the talent of their driver that they're sitting beside. And each one of those that I've spoken to over the years, they've just, you know, phenomenal is the word that comes back from them of, of when they want to describe Keith's talent. And the one thing I suppose that stands out here as well, and, and maybe not a lot of people will, you know, maybe recognize it or even take it as an interesting fact, is that uh, all his cars are left-hand drive cars. And when he started out to get the first title in 2009, he did it in the British Championship, as we said. But the British Championship is a mix of gravel events and tarmac. So not alone is he good on tarmac, but he's also good on, on what we call loose surface events. So, again, that shows the wide range of his talent, not just from, you know, to adapt to a new co-driver, but also to adapt to various surfaces, because even at the world scale nowadays, you know, drivers who are better on tarmac or better on gravel, and Keith just seem to be at home on any surface at all. You've been a great canvasser for Keith and Best and the rest over the last couple of weeks, Martin. For for those listening to, to this podcast now, and, and they're on the fence, whether it's going to be Keith Cronin or Bill Daly, they're going to vote for in Saturday's semi-final. Tell them why they should give Keith their vote. Well, I suppose, firstly, Kieran, you know, when when we look at the, the two semi-finals, um, I don't know whether you had a, a huge influence in the way this has all worked out, but, 
we've got, you know, Keith and, and Bill Daly on Saturday. And then, of course, Bill is somebody I know very well from growing up and going to school in Lepo originally. But um, I suppose their semi-final could be, t- uh, could be termed the Battle of the King of the Roads. And whereas the, the other battle is a battle for the fastest woman on the, on the track against the fastest guy in the water. So... You know, we have no GA superstar in there, but by God, we have four great superstars. As for voting for Keith, I think his loyal fans will, will support him. But there's a great element of camaraderie with, with all of this as well. And there's a bit of fun about the whole thing as well. And like I've said it earlier, and you know, you know this as well as I do, anybody of the 16 would be a worthy champion. And there's even people outside of that on the initial 16. And even in more sport alone, we probably have one of the greatest drivers that ever graced the circuit racing uh, track, Michael Kahan. You know, he didn't feature in that last 16. And, you know, even in rallying, there are other people I wouldn't go to mention because there are so many in rally that deserve to be up there as well. But um, Keith has a loyal fan and there's, you know, there's the websites that support each other and things like that. And I think there's a great bit of banter. We saw it with Jennifer O'Leary. We had, you know, Tyrone Camogie clubs getting in on the act. And it's all great. It's it's great for West Cork as well. And it makes all the all the other stars that were in the initial 16. People are very much aware of them as well. We went in for a few, Martin, is get a lot of people on Friday night and stock up on the coffee on Saturday because if the last couple of weeks are anything to go, boy, you're in for a very long day, evening and night on Saturday. But um, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, Karen, and the best of luck to everybody. And as I said, whoever comes out of this at the end of the day, I think they are a true worthy champion. But we're we're blessed in West Cork. We have terrific sports people, and long may that continue. The best in the West in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities. We support you. Delighted to be joined on the line by Pat McCarthy, the road bowling correspondent with us in the Southern Star. Pat, we have a road bowler, Bill Daly, true to the last four in best in the West, I suppose, before we chat about Bill himself. Um, for road bowling to have a semi-finalist in best in the West, it must be a, I suppose, a nice boost for the sport locally. Absolutely. We're thrilled to the world about with it. There's no doubt about it. It was something we didn't expect. We we couldn't have predicted our tweeters would have would have come up so so strongly in favour of Bill. But we did have a great candidate. We, um, as I say, thrilled two legendary people there in Dixon Barron and Graham Canty to have overcome both those people it was is it, great. But um, it, it, it's all good fun anyway. And in Bill, we had a great candidate, a man who was a, a legend in his own way. It's certainly a legend in our bowling game. We're, we're delighted to be be at this stage. Like you mentioned there, Pat, I suppose, um, Bill Daly got the better of Declan Barron in the first round and then Graham Canty in, in the quarterfinal. And next up is a is a man from out that direction as well, uh, a key Cronin from from uh, Bally Licky. But just on Bill Daly, kind of, he's a he's, he's a left man, he's one of the, suppose, the great figures of road bowling. Can you fill us in a small bit about what made Bill Daly such a great road bowler? Well, um Bill is a lip native, as uh, most people know. He's, he started off, he was another 18 uh, champion well, when he was back in lip. And he, he played in the junior ranks for um, a few years then, before he moved to the city for to his work uh, 
duties. And it was it was then he his career really blossomed. Back in the late seventies, early eighties, he, he became one of the truly big players in the game. And he he had a status and aura that was huge for, for, for in bowling at the time, I suppose. He he started uh, w- with a dual gold medal winning performance in, in Holland in nineteen eighty. And that set him up for a, almost a decade of dominance in you know in the game here in the bowling game here in Ireland, winning King of the Roads. He won in All Ireland. He lost two then that were, are still memorable in the sense I don't think he lost any cast in those defeats, but they, they were thrilling scores. And he, he was a huge name, five uh, King of the Roads, and he kind of set up that magnificent tournament as well. His presence was uh, very instrumental in um, in making it what it is today. And I, I think Kieran probably more those World Championships came then, of course, eighty five and eighty seven. They all added to his roster and. I suppose, Kieran, it's fair to say that his his European journey was truly phenomenal. He represented Ireland on the European stage and those European internationals, which we treasure, uh, eight times. And he had a gold winning medal, gold medal winning performances in 1980. And he he was on the podium again in 84, another gold medal in 92. And he was a massive presence on Irish teams for almost two decades. And I'd say that it, it all adds up to a a very significant personality in the game and one that has look up, looked up to and still is uh, hugely. You've kind of gone through some so, of these, I suppose, kind of he's, he's middle hall over the years and it's it's truly phenomenal, Pat. Um, Bill Daly is like a former world champion, European champion, All-Ireland senior champion, five-time king of the roads. He's won like, yeah. five county senior titles. It's a it's an incredible collection of honours over the years. And where does Bill rank in in the kind of, we talk about the all-time greats of road bowling. Obviously, Mick Barry will be at the top. He's such an iconic figure. But I'm presuming Bill Daly must be kind of, he's not too far behind, is he? Well, he would not certainly, uh, Kieran, no. I, I am, it's all, I suppose, relative. But uh, he would definitely be in, in, in the top five of all, uh, all ten greats. I'd say Michael Ball would have to be in there as well. Then there's Denny McFarland also from the north. And there's people, Pat Butler and um, others there, there's the current, uh, top men as well, they, they, but Bill Bill has to be in there in the top. Uh, his longevity and his his achievements would rank him uh, almost certainly in the top five, possibly in the top three in many people's um, estimation. So he, well, it's he, it's been a good week for so for road bowling because it's been great to see that underage scores have started again this week and um, with the COVID nineteen restrictions starting to ease. So are you hoping for? for road bowling's resurgence to keep going this Saturday when he takes on Keith Cronin in the best in the West semi-final. And have you been rallying the troops, getting them ready for a, an active day on social media this Saturday, Pat? <laughs> we have, Kieran, there's no doubt about it. We've been rallying pretty well there and a lot of people have helped as well. And uh, as I say, it was a new journey for, for us in bowling, but it was great to be included in the first place and we couldn't have had a better um, candidate. But we will we'll do our best again. Keith is obviously, uh, his sport would be much more popular nationwide. If you can muster all his troops, it would be very hard to beat him. But um, we'll give it a good go and we look forward immensely to, to the challenge again. And as I say, we're, we're thrilled to be in the last four. There were 16 outstanding candidates at the, uh, at the outset. And it's, it's, it's very good for our game and good for, good for its profile. And we'd, we'd, we'd be rooting for Bill big time. And I, I, I think, Pat, as well, for what this shows, it's almost a reflection of 
I suppose how important road bowling is as a sport in West Cork because we all know kind of like Cork is probably one of the, the real strongholds of, of road bowling in the country as, as well as up the north in Armagh. So it's great to see a road bowler in, in, in the last four because the sport is very, very strong here. And before I let you go, can you just tell me, I suppose, the kind of how strong the connection is in West Cork kind of when you talk about road bowling, how big the sport is locally? Well, it's... Big enough, I suppose. Still, it's 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 a credit to the people involved that it, that it has maintained a, a pretty good level of following and good standard of play, and it, it, its ranking within the sports of West Cork is still up there, pretty good. I mean, it, it's it's overcome huge challenges there in the past twenty years with uh, soccer teams and rugby becoming prominent, all fine sports as well, and underage GA people, uh, uh, our good bowlers are pretty good at all other sports as well and it's it's difficult to keep it all going but I think once the championship starts and once a momentum starts and then it, it kind of generates its own interest which is which is good and I think the sport itself the fact that it's a good manly man-to-man contest and there's skill and athleticism involved all I don't think it's a sport that will die easily. Like it's a continuing challenge, and there's insurance issues and everything. It's a, there's a continuing challenge to, to to keep it going, and we'll need new, new blood at um, administration levels as well. Like, but it is strong, and it's stayed strong even when we thought it might decline because it has over the centuries there declined in places and come back again. But it's um, and it was it is good as you said previously there that our game is back there in the after the COVID restrictions. Uh, our new chairman Michael Brennan arranged that he has been very responsible in his um, outlook on that and his um, the, the the general keeping bowling quite as much as possible anyway when when the um, the restrictions were in place and uh, it's it, it's good that it's back and we look forward to competitions not on the scale that we would have in past summers of course but um, we would hope to have a championship anyway by the end of the year. Oh, fantastic. Um, best of luck to the Robon community and Bill Daly this weekend, Pat. He's, um, he was underdog in his first two rounds and he came through them both, so we won't write Bill, <laughs> Daly, Bill Daly off at all this Saturday. This Saturday. So, no, we won't write him off. Yeah, we, we will we will back him to the hills and um, you know he's he's a very good opponent there and Keith as well and uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep it going. It's great to be involved in it and um, we'll we, we, we'll hope for the best on, on Saturday. We'll we'll have as many as we can on the Twitter line. The best in the West in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities. We support you. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast and we're going to switch our attention to semi-final number two now which is Olympic silver medalist Paul O'Donovan up against Ireland's fastest woman Phil Healy. To help us preview this one, we're joined on the line by sports journalist Dennis Hurley, whose work you'll find in the Southern Star and the Irish Examiner, as well as a variety of other outlets. Dennis, before we look at Phil and Paul, I wanted to get your thoughts on best in the West generally. One of the names that's cropped up repeatedly throughout this process has been that of Castlehaven legend Larry Tompkins. In your Hurley on the Ditch column a few weeks back, you questioned whether Larry being left out of the final 16 based based on his Kildare roots was fair considering John Caulfield was included despite being born in New York. You've also penned a soon-to-be-released book on Tompkins, which we might chat about in a little more detail later on. But could you maybe, to start us off, make the case for Larry and tell us 
why we as a selection committee were wrong to overlook him. <laughs> I'd never go so far as to say you were you were totally wrong now to be fair, um, Jack. I, and I suppose like you mentioned that you have a vested interest uh, it certainly suited the, the sales agenda to, to give it a good mention in the column a couple of weeks ago. Um but you know like, like I said in the column, uh, he had such a transformative effect on Cork football, West Cork football, Castle Haven. You know, before the Haven won in '89, I think you had to go back nearly two decades for the last time a West Cork team won the County Championship. Uh, and then Haven won '89, Skip '92, Haven '94 again, Bantry '95 and '98, Donna Kilty '96, Bear '97. Like it is, I think Castle Haven's success gave everyone else the belief that they could kind of, with a bit of a push, get up to that level too. And you know, knowing the kind of character Larry is and, and what he brought to Cork and Castlehaven, you know, he was definitely a kind of a driving force in the Haven, getting to that level. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of, it, it gave it gave everyone else then a, a target to aim for. But, you know, fair is fair. He he wasn't born in West Cork or in Cork. He He's a, a blow-in to the area and he doesn't live in West Cork anymore either. I know he's still involved with Castlehaven and Castlehaven Aris Club, but you know, being fully objective about it, I'd have find, found it hard to pick one of the sixteen to leave out. I know that there are others not in the sixteen who you could all, also make a case for. You know, we're we're talking about Paula Donovan here, and people are probably just wondering why Gary O'Donovan is in there. So these things. You know, it, it's 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 a poll of opinions, and opinions are always going to underpin the 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 debate around it, which is that kind of engagement. Well, it's, despite despite Larry not making the final sixteen, the final sixteen was dominated by GAA players. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think we had six, maybe seven, from Camogie ladies football, football and hurling, and unbelievably, none of them have made the final four. I seen a tweet from. Mike Downey, he also used the word unbelievable. He said, it's unbelievable that no GAA players have made the last four. Kieran, I'll come to you on this one first. Is there any reason, obvious reason, you can see that no GAA players made made it this far, considering they completely dominated the final 16? Um, it was surprising when you consider that West Cork is seen as the was a home of football, football in Cork and a, a GAA stronghold, which it is, to be fair. Um, I think what we've seen here is different communities coming behind our sport. So we've seen the motorsport community rallying behind Keith Cronin and the road borders coming behind um, coming behind uh, Bill Daly. And obviously, Paul O'Donovan is someone with that profile, as is Bidhidi. So they're, they're kind of national figures. So in fairness to Jennifer O'Leary, she really did give it a kind of Keith Cronin a run for a run for his money and if you look at the vote she got in the last round it was higher than any other semi-finalist bar Keith Cronin so Jennifer could have been uh, one of the semi-finalists it is surprising that there is no kind of GA person in, in the last four but we've always spoken to and highlighted this the star that there's such a variety of sports and sports people in West Cork that um, I think this, this best in the West has kind of highlighted that too kind of what we're left with is Ireland's fastest woman. We're left with Ireland's greatest roar. We're left with a man who won the British Rally Championship four times. And we're left with a man who's a two-time world road bowling champion, among many others. So the four that are there are all there on merit. But um, like you're right, it is surprising that the GA 
didn't have their own representative there, but such like like Dennis said, these these polls are subjective, and if you get the people behind you, you, you get through. So that, I think that's what we've seen over the last couple of weeks that the different communities have backed their sportsperson. Dennis, anything in the theory that it's down to the tribal nature of Club GA in West Cork, and that someone like Graham Canty, who may well have captained Cork to an All Ireland in 2010, couldn't get support from rival clubs. He was reliant totally on the Bantry Blue faithful. Anything in that? Could you see people not voting for Graham simply because he's a Bantry representative? Yeah, like it, it, it must have been the case, but I would have been very surprised if you told me beforehand that it would be the case, if that makes sense. Um, like at the outset, I'll be honest, I, I was full sure a GA person would win. I didn't know which one. Um, I, I would have thought Graham Penty would definitely be up there. I, I would have thought that it would be a GA person just because it's it's the most popular sport in the area and, you know, in Ireland. Um, but I, I was saying it to Kieran last week, like I couldn't get over that there's no GA person left in the last four and that it's all kind of people involved in individual sports. I know Paul obviously is in the, the double skulls, but it's still not a, a team sport as it were. Um, and it, it, it's, I suppose it's very insightful. It, it probably gives an insight into who is more active on social media, you know, which, which clubs and teams and sports are more active. But then, you know, to pick an example, a club like Castlehaven have a very strong social media presence and that wasn't enough to get Niall Callan over the line. So uh, I, I think after the, after the poll is over and we found the best in the West, you could probably go back and do an opinion poll to kind of gauge why people voted the way they did. Uh, let's jump in then to the semi-final that we want to talk about now and that's of course Paul O'Donovan versus Phil Healy and before we go too deep into it I actually just want to make the case for Phil Healy potentially being West Cork's greatest active athlete now we might sound like a broken record on this podcast over the last few weeks we keep repeating the phrase she's Ireland's fastest ever woman but that's nothing to be sniffed at she's a national record holder over the 100 and 200 metre distance I was looking at Irish Athletics before we started recording this she's the third fastest ever over 300 metres and 400 metres in the 4 by 100 metres 4 of the top 10 times of all time have featured Phil Healy this is in a sport that's hugely competitive there's a huge amount of people who compete in athletics at all levels across the country and across the world so Kieran, I'm I'm putting Phil Ford to be potentially West Cork's greatest active athlete. Maybe not West Cork's greatest all-time athlete yet, but um, what do you think of that? Um, I can see where you're coming from, Jack. I think the the Roars might have something to say about that, with Paul being a four-time world champion kind of and a current active sports person. And with Shane McCormick on the podcast a couple of weeks back in, he said that Phil Healy is the greatest Irish women's sprinter of all time and he put forward the stats and figures and you put forward some there and you can't argue with that like um, we called her the Balanine bullet for a reason like she's she's lightning she's lightning quick and she's only 25 and the thing with Phil there is more to come and you will see her kind of set personal bests and national records over the next couple of years so she's an incredible sports person and as well as that she's a great role model too and it was Darren McElhaney made the point to me a few weeks ago he said she's a class act on and off the track so on the track she does the business she wins the races she sets the times 
but off the track she's such a good role model and ambassador for athletics and West Cork as a result that it kind of encourages and helps more kids get involved so um, she's kind of in terms of active sports stars in West Cork at the moment she's right up there I can see what you're saying um, so yeah she's um, she's in with a chance Dennis I want to pit rowing versus athletics here Kieran said that the rowers may have something to say about my claims that Phil Healy is the greatest active West Cork athlete at the minute but just on the basis of which sport it's actually harder to succeed at and I know this is getting into tricky territory because it's impossible to say but an example I used at an earlier stage of the tournament was Conor Howarhan's achievements are perhaps underappreciated because of how difficult it is to actually make it in the Premier League and I would say similar things about yeah. how hard it is for the likes of Phil Healy to compete in athletics whereas rowing is more of a niche sport maybe not so in Ireland but around the world so let's cause an argument here is it harder to succeed at the level Phil is in athletics versus what the O'Donovan brothers and Paul in particular has achieved in rowing it's it's very hard to measure but I do I do see what you're saying uh, and you're obviously carrying a very big spoon for stirring that pot but I, I, I can see the logic of it yeah because you know, first and foremost, Paul Donovan is a member of Skibbereen Rowing Club, which is the top rowing club in the country. So he's coming into a, a framework, we'll say, a club renowned for developing rowers to be the absolute best they can. So he's coming in with a lot of natural talent, adding a lot of hard work. But he's doing it in a structure um, that has a huge track record of success. He's obviously had more success than anyone else, and he is the... The, the best that, that there's been so far but you know with all due respect to Bandon and Dedex Club they haven't had uh, a plethora of you know top national performers and, and people who've competed in the top international events and you know maybe maybe Phil's success will kind of lead to that kind of culture in there but she has I suppose you'd say she's come on a longer journey you know to to get from pardon the pun the standing start to, to where she is now um, and like you say it's almost taken for granted you know just because she's so consistently good like it, it's not to be sniffed at to be the fastest woman in Ireland you know at still a relatively young age um, and, and like Kieran said that's why they call her the Balanine Bullet I think it was he started calling her the Balanine Bullet and everyone else latched onto it but definitely you know it, it's it's not the kind of one that you'd have looked at her when she was starting off and said, "Gee, she's going to go. She she could be an Olympian in in the sprints, you know, in which Irish athletes don't normally compete very strongly at." Whereas, you know, I think in Kieran's book, he said that people joining Skibreen Rowing Club have a is it a seventy five percent chance of rowing for their country, you know, so. Paul was dealing with good odds to start with and he made the most of those odds whereas Phil's odds starting off probably weren't as strong and she has had to um, to, to battle to kind of to work against those odds and Can so, I just remember Jack for a second because yeah. Dennis, Dennis has made a great point there um, Phil was actually chatting on this Zoom video um, conference a couple of weeks ago and she made the point when she was in secondary school either in third or fourth year that her or her teacher told her to pack up athletics that she wasn't going to do much and maybe concentrate on basketball or football and this was during secondary school but she persisted at it and she we obviously see where she is now but during her secondary school days 
her early secondary school days, you wouldn't say she was a standout kind of would have picked her. There was her sister Joan was a standout athlete in their family when they were younger. And Joan is maybe two years older than Phil. So Phil has come an incredible distance in a, in a very short space of time from probably fourth and fifth year in secondary school to where she is now to go from someone who wasn't win, winning medals to someone who's won, I think, 10 goals between indoor and outdoor in, in the last five or six years at the national championships. So what Dennis is saying there is, is, is correct, that she's coming off a long way in a very short period of time. And from compared to Paul, who came into Skibbery Road Club when Eugene Coakley and Timmy Harnady were there, and they were Olympians, and there was that kind of success breed success kind of element in in um, in Skibbereen Rowing Club. And there was also Dominic Casey, kind of anyone who goes into that Rowing Club, and, and if Dominic Casey sees potential in you, he'll give you everything to kind of to, to bring the best out of you. So Phil has had to work harder to get to the top. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the point I'm trying to make is starting out, if you were to choose rowing or athletics, you have much more you're going to have a much more difficult time making it to the top of sprinting like sprinting one of the most watched sports at the Olympic Games one of the, the most competitive but I don't, I don't want to take away anything from Paul and his achievements and I just want to touch on something we spoke about last week and that's Paul's position as a cultural icon in Ireland we, we touched on it a bit last week but I want to go into it again like the phrase close the eyes and pull like a dog has just become part of the way we speak in Ireland he's loved by housewives as they would say Like so that just means everyone knows who Paul Donovan is and Gary Donovan for that matter but we're focusing on Paul for now he was on the Graham Norton show and like wherever I go in the world or wherever I go in Ireland and I have a conversation with someone I've never met before and they say where do you live and I say I live in Skibbereen the first thing they always say is do you know the rowers or have you heard of the rowers or have you met the rowers essentially Kieran said it to me just offline before we started recording they put Skibbereen on the map in a way they are Skibbereen so for a competition like this which is essentially a popularity contest we're putting public vote we're putting it to the public vote we're Dennis I guess the question I'm trying to ask is like how much do you how much interest do you have in his position as a cultural icon as opposed to just a pure athlete um yeah like uh, that's a fair point too like uh, success in a minority sport doesn't automatically guarantee that you're going to become a household name but like you say their performance at, at the Olympics um, you know like they were well known in West Cork and thanks to the stars covers before the Olympics but obviously that was what brought them to the wider audience and it was the the showmanship we'll say um, um, yeah and it, it's like there definitely is a greater interest in them because of that you know it's almost like it's almost like he's a character called playing a character called Paul Donovan you know sometimes that maybe if you met him away from from that and we're chatting to him it might actually be the same but the, the public persona definitely is a very strong one and it has definitely it mightn't have contributed to the success because he'd be a top rower anyway, but it's probably contributed to the the awareness, the, the wider awareness. And you'd wonder, will that be the defining factor in the vote that Phil Healy probably goes about her work in a more quiet and understated way, maybe? 
Yeah, Kieran, and just to go to you on that point, because as Dennis mentioned earlier, you wrote the book on skibbereen rowing, and I suppose what made the book such an interesting topic, other than the success, was the characters that have come from the club. Dominic was obviously a big part of it, but Gary and Paul themselves as well. So just in writing the book, away from just their success as rowing, because we've talked about that at, at nauseum, the way that they have become household names in Ireland, I don't think it takes away from their sporting successes at all. But just in terms of this competition, purely from a popularity stakes and a public poll point of view, do you think that's of benefit to them? I think, um, like you mentioned there earlier, Jack, that Gary and Paul run Graham Martin, they've been on the Late Late Show a couple of times. They're almost celeb figures as much as they are sporting figures. And even go back to after after the Olympics, I remember one um, bookies was running odds on who their girlfriends would be. They were, oh, yeah. that sort of, it, it was that sort of level they were at. Kind of, they were, you mentioned, they were cultural icons. They were celebs. Like they kind of, I suppose they, they, they rivaled the Kearney brothers for the, the most famous set of brothers in Ireland. And they probably, they're probably more, kind of, um, more famous, you could say, than, than, the, than the modern day Kearney. So um, in a competition like this, the profile does help, you know, if you're looking for votes on a, on a Twitter poll, of course, it's the Donovans. Everyone's going to know them. And, um, the, the bigger the poll gets on Sunday and the more retweets, the more people see it the more people would probably come in behind Paul but it, it's worth noting too that Gary and Paul have really stepped back from media duties in the last 18 months you could say to two years we don't see that many interviews with them kind of nationally and locally they just, um, for, they've just they've taken that stance of just stepping back unless it's at a could be the plowing championships they're there or at an FPD launch or something like that. That's when you get access to to Gary and Paul, um, which is a shame, I think, because when it comes to rowers, I think they're they're brilliant interview, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, some of my best interviews have been with rowers. Kind of Gary and Paul are superb to interview when you have the one on one or one on two because there's an honesty and an openness there. There's no cliches. They call it as they see it. So um. I think for when people talk now about kind of Ireland's greatest sports person, you never see Paul O'Donovan's name in, in the mix at all. And maybe it's because rowing is a minority sport, but we're talking about a fella who's 25, 26, a four-time world champion. He's won Ireland's first Olympic rowing medal. He should be in that conversation, but he's not because he might have the profile off the back of 2016, but in the last couple of years, they're not as um, as prevalent in the media. You know, you don't see them in in Sunday newspapers a two page spread on Gary and Paul dressed in in the finest suits like like we did back then, or pictures of Gary and Paul in a field full of grass or something like that, as as we did when when they were doing the scene. So it's interesting to see the kind of the stance they've adopted. And um, put that against Phil Healy at the moment, Phil is an absolute joy to to, to kind of interview, and she's so. She's at the other end of a phone, other end of a text message, you know, she's back to you straight away. And you see a lot of kind of interviews with, with Phil in the in Irish media, whether it's radio stations and newspapers and so on. And she's doing a fantastic job of promoting athletics. She sees that as part of her role. She's a, obviously, she's an, an athlete number one, but she's kind of promoting athletics side by side. And, and that has a knock-on effect too. So that's why I think Sunday could be interesting in our best in the West poll because... Phil has a very active and current and live kind of following as opposed to the rowers who are, I suppose, off 2016, we know Gary and Paul, Gary and Paul, but rowing only ever really comes into the public consciousness in the Olympic year. 
or maybe win, win the lads win a gold medal at, at the World Championship. So it's going to be interesting. You're putting these two kind of these two sports people of suppose, different activists on social media and media up against each other. And just on that, Phil Healy on Instagram is brilliant to follow. She puts up her, her training, what she's doing, and so on. But compare that to the two boys, Gary and Paul, where they're not as active on social media. And especially when we're talking about a poll on Twitter, that you know maybe that could have some factor in Sunday. Okay, let's, let's get predictions then for both semi-finals. Kieran, we'll come to you first. Bill Daly versus Keith Cronin and Paul O'Donovan versus Phil Healy. Who's going to be in the final? Um, from the first semi-final, I'm going to um, back Keith Cronin to come through from that one, Jack. He's, he's been up with them over the first two rounds. He's brought in huge votes, and I think he'll get past Bill Daly on Saturday. And then on Sunday, um, I have to go with Paul O'Donovan. I wrote the book on Skibbery and Rowan Club. If I have any chance of getting the sequel, I have to back the rower. Um, I think it's going to be quite tight. Um, Paul O'Donovan pulled in a big vote when he beat Niall Cahillan, and it was substantially up on his win in the first round. So it's going to be very close between Paul and Phil, but I'd just be tipping Paul O'Donovan to come through this one. And Dennis, the two semi-finals, Bill Daly versus Keith Cronin and Phil Healy versus Paul O'Donovan. Where's your money going? Um, Without much science behind it, I would say Keith Cronin and Paul O'Donovan. Okay, Dennis. Well, before we wrap up today's show, I just wanted to ask you about the Larry Tompkins book that we mentioned earlier in the sh- earlier in the podcast. We'll probably do a special podcast dedicated to it when it comes out. But when can we expect to see it on shelves? How was it to write it and work alongside Larry? And are, are you excited? I suppose. I uh, right now I'm I'm fairly drained just because it was a big effort to get it done and just having finished it I just need to kind of chill for a bit but it, it was great to do it um, you know really enjoyed working with Larry um, some great great memories um, and I was just hoping that I was able to do it all justice um, so the the, the 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 release date will be sometime around the middle of September there's no set date yet um, but you know Hopefully it'll be kind of at a time when the GA is back in, in full swing and people are uh, people are looking forward to um, you know to, to being able to to get their teeth into it because it is, it is a, a very strong story. Um, you know he, he even a few of the people that got to look over it commented on how they'd forgotten a lot of the things mentioned in it. Um, that it, it's kind of hard to. To illustrate, you know, in the current time, it just what a big star he was back then, and how much he broke the mold. Um, so, you know, hopefully, uh, it, it'll get a good response, and uh, that uh, people get some insight into the into the character, the, the kind of dedicated and driven character Harry was, which made him um, the the best footballer in Ireland for a period of a few years in the late eighties and early nineties. Great stuff. Well, remember to keep an eye on Twitter on Saturday and Sunday for both those semi-finals. That's Kieran McCarthy's Twitter. Kieran, just remind us of your handle again if anyone wants to search it. On Twitter, it's at Kieran Mac underscore SS. So it's K-I-E-R-A-N cap M small C cap C underscore SS and you'll find me there. Great stuff. Well, I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show.